Welcome to Mox TV Talk, the podcast where we take a loving, longing look at TV and tell you this week, there's no time. Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what. Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching. It's Mox TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Mox. Joining me this week, he's the guy whose face you've probably seen a lot, but not necessarily connected it was him. From Griff the Invisible's brother to Kim Beasley and Hawk to playing the title role in the soon-to-be-released Ruben Guthrie, he's shown more range than you would have expected when you first saw him as Ethan Black on Home and Away. He's played polar opposites in The Most Powerful Man in Modern Media in Power Games, as well as an ALP genius uh, in At Home with Julia and many, many shades in between. And this week, he's sure to win even more fans as he stars in the new ABC supernatural drama Glitch. It's Australian TV royalty, Patrick Bramble. Wowzers. I never thought I'd be introduced as Australian TV royalty. I know, it's it's just like something that I've made up on the spot. And I love it. And I'm just so, so honoured to be given that title. What an incredible introduction. I've never been introduced like that before. That's amazing. Royal tree aside, that was an incredible, incredibly well-researched and lovely thing to say. Thank you. Well, look, it, it's it's an extension that we at Mox TV talk. We like to crown people with gifts. We mm. give them special titles. Mm. I love it. I feel very crowned. I feel very horrible. <laughs> uh, Patrick, you've had quite the the range as far as what we, you know, people might have only recognised you from recent stuff, but you've been doing the, the business for a while. Yeah. I've been working professionally for about uh, 13 years, 13, 14 years. Um, and I've only ever really mm-hmm. got into um, telly. I suppose my first TV thing was like um, – the Alice, 2005, yes. um, and that was Channel 9 and it hung around for, you know, a few episodes before it went to the specials 10.30 or whenever it was mm, shunted to. We um, love those. We love those ones. Um, but, but I suppose I got my sort of first really notice publicly was for uh, A Moody Christmas, uh, the ABC comedy a few years yes. ago. Um, and then Upper Middle Bogan and then, and then another – sort of uh, big job for me was Offspring, season five of Offspring, playing Leo Taylor. I think that was my last name. Um, <laughs> but that was huge because that show has a massive following. Yes. And I played a really great character. Like after Matt Lenevez left the show, you know, as Dr. Patrick died and a, and a generation of Australian women cried out in unison, um, I got the call saying, hey, would you like to come in and be the love interest for Nina? I was like, are you kidding I'm not going to do – Lenevez is a, is a demigod. I'm not going to – I can't follow that act. Yeah, how do you cut that guy's lunch? Exactly. And so, well, with humour apparently. They said, he's, <laughs> you know, Leo is like a lovely guy. He's got – like he's the nice guy. And over time, um, the fans of the show and the supporters of Nina, you know, Ash's character would be like, Nina, Leo's right behind you. He's such mm. a lovely guy. He's, you know, so – um, it was a great part for me to play. Watch out for cars, Nina. Yeah, <laughs> cars. Don't, go don't push him into traffic, Nina. Yeah, again. Um, yeah. So that was a great role. And then yeah, it's just been – the momentum's just been picking up and up and up. And I've been, and you're right. I've been lucky enough to bounce between comedy, drama, 
well, comedy and drama, I suppose. Those, those are the two, aren't they? Two big ones. What range? Well, I've been lucky enough to show a bit of range. So much range. Yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing you really hope for when you're when you uh, acting, training, and that sort of stuff. You know, be able to be yeah. able to tackle a bit of everything. But the reality is that rarely happens. You know, sometimes you'll see an actor do a thing they're good at, and you'll go, "Good, well, that's the thing that actor does." Um, yes. But I've I've been very lucky to have a few, you know, casting people and producers and directors take a bit of a chance on me. Well, and take a chance they have, Patrick, and it's paid off. I mean, not only have you managed to put in some very noteworthy and notable performances, but like you said, the shows that you've been involved with have kind of done all right in the process. Let's not – well, we'll come to Canal Road later. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Uh, on the show, one of the things we like to do on MulksTVTalk.com is, is have a bit of a quiz. Brilliant. Follow Mulk on Twitter at MulksTVTalk. Normally, it's a bit of a quiz on you know the people that I'm speaking with, their favourite show, but I thought I'd try a different tack with you Love if it. you're okay with this. Yes, I am. We're going to do a bit of a sale of the century, who am I edition of Pick a Box of Potluck. Whatever it is, I'm okay with it. Good. Well, you better be. Um, mm-hmm. What we're going to offer you is a, a couple of questions, three questions, yep. where I'm going to do uh, a bit of a who am I, Good. and the people that you need to guess are characters that you've played. Oh, my God. This is the best. Yeah, well, prepare yourself. It's like reaching into a, a lolly bag of fantails that are all with my my name on them. Mm, and, and I'm a young, sprightly Tony Barber, oh. bouncing in in the suit with the big lapels. You really are. Just got the music going on in my head. Anyway. Let's go to the board. Right. Yeah. Who am I? Okay. The eldest son and heir to an air conditioning empire I've been unlucky in love a number of times. Just, oh, yes. Sean Moody. Correct. Oh, yes. To finish the question, just as well, I've still got my bedroom at mum and dad's. My best mate tried to crack on to my mum once, but he's a great business partner. Our best idea was dying high funeral fireworks, blasting the remains of your loved ones into the atmosphere. I live in Sydney and I pretty much have no idea. Oh, I love so Sean good. Moody so much. Oh, it, it, a stellar character. I mean, not only was it two great series that we saw of the movie, the Moody's, but uh, you also won an actor award for Sean. I did. I did. Um, like that's proper acting awards. It's proper acting. It's not just dicking around and being funny. I mean, a lot it's of no people. No Logie. A lot of people. It's no Logie. A lot of people who saw the show initially went, oh, but you're just playing yourself, aren't you, Patty? And I was like, not really. Not really. Have you looked at Sean Moody? That's. <laughs> It's not really me, um, but it's a lovely thing for them to say if, if, if you know, they think that I'm that natural a dickhead. Um, but, geez, I love that part. Yeah, so to get an award for it, a proper grown-up award, was a real validation. And, and what a great cast to work with. I mean, apart from, let's even get into the Jungle Boys, just yet, but working with Phil Lloyd as an actor, Tina Bursell, yeah. you've got Dave Eastgate thrown in the mix. Yeah. It's just outrageous. Yeah, so good. Ian, Ian Meadows, yeah, Jane yeah. Harbour there, Guy Edmonds. Darren Gilshanen, comic genius. Yes. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Just a good, and David Field. Yeah, just a great Danny Adcock. What a, and Rachel Gordon. Yeah, loved them all. Helen um, Dallymore playing. Yes. Uh, my girlfriend. Oh, just the best. The best. That is so much fun. Yeah. Hey, did you know? Just as a matter of trivia, the house that that was filmed for the exteriors. Yes. No more. I know. Don't I know it? We knew at the when we got it for the first season, that it was going to be demolished at the end of <gasps> filming. So we went, righto, let's do it anyway. And then we got some cameras there at the end of our filming and um, shot some of the demolition. 
Mm. And we use that in the first episode of season two. Of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. So in season two, um, there's a couple of scenes inside the house, but that that wasn't the house that we used. That was some other derelict house that we painted the walls yellow and made it try to look like Sean's bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the magic of television. So funny. Like when you've got a character like Sean, you really do get to drop some serious balls on it, don't you? Because he's just so unaware. I know. I know. He just thinks he's got it all sorted out and he just doesn't. But (laughs) playing somebody with that level of certainty is the best. Because I don't have that level of certainty in my own life. Like it's just so great to play a guy who goes, yep, this is how it is. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's, that's his reality. It's so much fun. Yes. Yeah, I really enjoy playing that high-status um, clown. I mean, I know he's yeah. a bogan, but he's, he plays <laughs> higher status. He thinks he's better than everybody else around him. Yeah, I oh, know. He thinks he's the, the, just the best. Yeah. The, the continual stream of uh, TV, like uh, business ideas and yeah. you know, zero responsibility because I've always got mum and dad to uh, lean on. That's yeah, right. So great. So great. I took, at the, end of the, at the end of the first season, I took from set all the little um, knick-knack gifts from Sean's uh, business, <laughs> previous yes. businesses. So I've got like, um, I've got like the, the, the mug that holds my toothbrushes is Lone Wolf Dog Walking with a picture of Excellent. my head on it. And yes. it's got like another coffee mug is Senor Sean's Coffee Cart. I've got, I've got ties <laughs> and mouse pads. It's the best. So good. Oh, and that's that's the joy of, of working on a low product low budget pro- Australian production is yep. stealing things, stealing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's the low budget things where everyone's struggling. That's who you should steal from. Ultimately, that's my feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the Jungle Boys just go and do another ad, fellas. Yeah, yeah, come on, guys. Put some yeah, sort it out. Yeah, exactly. Question two: Who Brilliant. am I? Yep. I'd been unlucky in love until I met this girl at an airport, and one thing led to another. Who then sort of turned out to be my boss. After a year of back and forth due to her hallucinations of her dead partner, we were able to connect and the hearts of the entire nation's females melted. I live in Melbourne and I have a pretty good idea. Mm. Leo Taylor, come on down. Spot on. And I have to tell you, I was watching the episode where uh, Matt died and then, of course, you surfaced the next season and those sorts of things. Uh, I, I, I could feel the estrogen levels in the air just increase. As oh, yeah, a nation something happened that together. night. Absolutely. I was watching that episode too, having no idea that I'd be asked to be in the next season. And I remember I was watching it with a friend of mine and I said, oh, I pity the poor sap who's got to follow his, uh, <laughs> got to fill those shoes. Uh, little did he know he would be that Little sap. did he know, yeah. And what was it like coming on to, well, that was, you know, five seasons, four or five seasons in for Offspring. You come into this really established cast. It's all relationship stuff. It would have been a bunch of fun to come into. Yeah. Well, I was a bit trepidatious. Is that a word, trepidatious? Let's say it is. Okay. Um, because of that reason, because it was so established, because uh, Matt Lenevez was such a loved character, and I wasn't really replacing him, but I kind of was. Mm. Um, but everybody could not have been more welcoming. Like, it was just a super lovely vibe. And I think they all felt this is the last season and, that you know, they were all feeling good about it, about the stories and stuff. Everyone was um, welcoming and happy. Asher was brilliant with me. Like our very first day we shot mm. together was that stuff in the in the airport. Like we had this incredibly awkward sex scene. Like yeah. so, so that all works because it was my first day, and I was like, "Oh, it's a bit awkward doing a sex scene with Asher Keddy." 
Yeah, well, look, a, a sex scene off, on Offspring is a rite of passage. Like. Well, it really is. I mean, who hasn't who hasn't done that? Um, but so, so I used that awkwardness, and, and the and the scene was really funny and awkward. It had a lot of pathos as well. That scene that we did. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it was a it was actually a dream job. It was so good, and I was by the end of it, I was like, oh, what a shame! This is the end. I I could go another season or two out of this for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we could milk that sucker. Look, you, you've raised something actually quite controversial. Yeah. And that is the concern that there is still hope somehow in uh, the Australian female viewing public that Offspring will return. Ten doing it no favours by not quashing the rumours. Are you revealing on Mulk City? I know. Mom, no more Offspring. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, there's been talk. <laughs> Any smart person would have said, no, it's not happening. Sure. Yeah. Oh, look. I, I don't think it's happening. Um, look, if my phone rings, and it, you just never know because, I mean, I went and did that um, uh, that pilot in the States, um, mm-hmm. Strange Calls, which was the remake of the Australian format, Strange Calls. And after we did Strange Calls here for ABC, not many people saw it. I thought it was good, but, you know, it wasn't commercially successful um, and it just went away. And then the Americans bought it three years later and mm-hmm. I was in it. So... I would never say I would never say never. You know, at some point, um, yes. someone might go, "Hey, we can do this now." Channel Ten or Southern Star, or you know, we'll just someone might make an offspring movie. Like, I have no idea what could happen. So, like ninety nine percent, yeah, it's definitely over. But there's always a little question mark going. You never know. Someone will have the bright idea at some stage. Well, the standard has been set now with a place to call home being after seven dumped it exactly exactly. It's entirely within the remit that Foxtel might come knocking and say, hey, guys, we'd love to get another two seasons of Offspring out of you. Can we do it? Yeah. Schedules aside, because that would be tough. Of course, uh, you know, it might also be the awkward, um, yeah, yeah, we can do it, but can we recast everyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, would it be Offspring? I don't – I've honestly got no idea. Would it – Would if you recast everyone? Yeah. Nah. No. It's oh, – as, as, yeah. as good as everything is on that show, I mean – any successful show needs to have – it's one of the key ingredients has got to be the chemistry of the cast, and that's absolutely yes. the case with Offspring. You couldn't do it without the key players. You just couldn't do it. Oh, look, and, and I have to offer that along with your uh, marvellous – you can't call it a cameo, but your season with Offspring. Yeah. Uh, we really saw Celia Piccola come into her own as an actor. Uh, she yeah. – hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. She's fantastic. She really made – and uh, Lawrence Long to a lesser extent, but still like brilliant contributions. Yeah. You know, I mean, Lockie Hume, you know, what an odd characterization that was, but it was absolutely <laughs> integral to the success of the show. I don't know yes. why, and I'm sure he doesn't either, but it absolutely was. He was fantastic as Martin Clegg. Well, you couldn't, you really, if you were to look at, on paper, you look at, say, the, the, the read of the characters, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't make any sense if you were to just read the characters dry, not having seen the series, no. to then go into it and go, why Why is Lockie Hume doing that? Yeah. Oh, it makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. And I think I didn't watch them, but he told me that was it in the pilot or maybe the first two episodes, he didn't have a quasi-English accent. He... <laughs> He had, a, he had just his own uh, Australian accent and although he pushed And Clegg was beginning. pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see this? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of just it like a switch happened. It was like everyone just didn't acknowledge it. It just happened. Yeah. It went on. <laughs> yeah. But we're all the better for it. I agree. Yeah. Oh, lucky. 
Beautiful. Question three. Yeah. Can you go three from three in Who Am I? Yes, I can. I'm a sergeant at a local police station when one night funny things start happening to one of the constables. When called in, I see nothing of the disturbance and tell the little shit to get his act sorted out because he'll get no special treatment from me just because daddy's important. I live in Coolum and I pretty much have no idea. Sergeant Neil Lloyd. The strange calls. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Bramall, three from three. Wow, I feel like I really know my stuff. Well, you do. You, I feel like I know almost as much as you do about my characters. Look, if it wasn't for the scope of a podcast, you'd say it was creepy. Uh, so <laughs> this will be submitted to Emmett. That's why this is the perfect medium for you, Steve. It's perfect. You come <laughs> off as a reasonably normal guy if it's yeah, on a podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're assuming I'm going to release this to the public. I guess you're right. I guess I didn't anticipate that. Yeah. I'm in the other room right now. Oh, God. That, that is you, isn't it? Yeah. I just sort of saw the silhouette and I noticed it was t- disrobing and I thought, I, I, I can't think about that now. Well, well, well. My, man, my male uh, decolletage is ample uh, and uh, he's That's lovely. Really, really lovely. I'm just getting out of control. Um, oh. the, the, strange calls, <laughs> I, <laughs> the Strange Calls was one of those shows that I think a lot of people maybe blinked and missed it, but was mm. quirky, real quirky fun. Yeah. Uh, over on ABC2. And what was it like to then go and play the same character um, in the American pilot? Strangely similar. Um, <laughs> and I, I, but you were the only one that transported between the two shows. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not even just being glib saying strangely similar. Like um, that character to date is one of my favourite characters I've ever played. Like he's ridiculous. He's so much fun. And so Sarge. In, Sarge. So yeah, the yeah. Australian one... Um, I had a ball, but oh god, it was low budget, and we were shooting six days a week, and it mm. was just we were flat chat all the time. So although I had fun in the scenes, the actual shooting of it was kind of uh, tough. Hard. It was kind of hectic. Yeah. Anyway, so then I transport to the American version of it for the pilot, and well, for the character, firstly for the character, it just being American makes him more so, like more brittle, more. Um, <laughs> swagger, you know, more yeah. ridiculous, more of a dickhead, really. Um, again, it's that high-status clown that I enjoy. Um, uh, so he's more so because he's American. And as for the shooting, even though there were millions of dollars invested in this thing, it was just as hectic as any day we had on the first series. I don't know why, wow. but we were up against it. I remember the first day we shot, it was like raining and shitty. We were behind all day and... Um, and the director, Jason Weiner, who like he's a guy who did the pilot for Modern Family and he's kind of the go-to guy for a lot of comedy in America. Mm. And he said that the day we shot, which was my first day on set, it was like the second hardest day in production he's ever had. Oh, wow. Because of just the, the time constraints and the, and the weather and it was horrible. Um, having said that, I saw the pilot and it's really good. It was really good and weird. It was like the, like the Australian version. It was a weird show. Um, and NBC passed mm. on it. But um, uh, to their dead. I mean, who knows, man? They, you know, they they do the sorts of comedies they do, and they're a bit more yeah. straight down the line. And this, when I saw it, I thought, oh, okay, I see why they passed on it. I can see why they passed. It's um, it's um, weird. It's, it's a bit weird. It's a little bit weird for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and full but credit to Daly Pierce and the man responsible for for creating the strange calls. It's weird. Yeah. Fun weird. Yeah. Certainly yeah. In, in an Australian context, I think they kind of got away with it when you look at, you know, Toby Trusslove, B 
Barry Crocker. Yeah. Um, you know, they, in and of themselves, Toby's a great comedic actor. Yeah. Um, Barry Crocker's an icon. Yeah, it really is. You kind of can't uh, hide away from that. No. Uh, and then the crazy stuff that goes on, transplanting it into an American context, I think, even though they got – because they got some reasonably good uh, humans to play Toby and Barry's uh, Yeah, Danny Pudi from Community played Toby. Mm. Yeah, Danny Danny Pudi played uh, Toby and Daniel Stern played Gregor. Like a couple of great comic actors. Yeah. Um, and I was happy with the stuff that I did and it was it had a lot of potential but – Oh, well. We just couldn't come at the mermaid coming out of the water. Oh, gosh. That mermaid. Sad um, times. Sad times for all of us. But, yeah, you're right. Daly Pearson, full credit to him. And he's like he, he's just going to keep churning out. He's a, he is a, an ideas machine. He's so interesting and clever and funny. Yes. I really like his sensibility, yeah. and I hope I'll work with him again really soon, actually. He's like one Did of you the see the latest thing? The latest? What was that? The latest thing he's working on is uh, – like taking kids' drawings that mm. they submit and basically animating them into this other story. So it might be a monster screaming at something. Yeah. And then when the, the, the drawing comes to life, uh, the monster screaming and this person comes in and pulls a tooth out and things are better and they go off. You know, they're just weird, obtuse stories being all spawned from kids, legitimate kids' drawings. Yeah. What's that? Is that called the strange doodles or something? I think it's mandatory in any Pearson project to have the word strange, strange in it. Yeah, because that is who he is fundamentally. Um, I, I knew a little bit about it, but I haven't seen any. But, I, yeah, I remember him telling me about it and me thinking it was, it was kind of weirdly brilliant. Yeah, I, I think they, they created a couple as a pilot and they're online because they're shopping that intentionally uh, overseas. And it just looked really, really good. High maintenance, right? Anything that starts to involve animation and stuff adds huge lead times to your remit. But It does. Uh, I think it's got legs. It's yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah, it really does. And I suppose, you know, it makes up for the time that it takes, it's made up with not having to deal with actors on the day. Yeah, anything to avoid. Anything to avoid. Oh, How annoying God. are actors? They're the worst. <laughs> it would be so good, I think. Uh, we talk about some of the great ensemble cast you've worked with. Offspring, Incredible, Home and Away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Strange Calls. Upper Middle Bogan mm-hmm. was another great, I guess, to the same. And you, you might think it's still a, a high-status clown character, but fitting in with that cast is outrageously cool. Yeah. that's a, Well, we actually won uh, an award at, for our ensemble um, with the Equity Ensemble Awards, funnily enough. Um, yeah, that is a kick-ass ensemble, yes. and it's a true ensemble show. So Annie Maynard's the lead. You know, she is the Upper Middle Bogan. Mm. And then you've got... Glenn Robbins, Robin Nevin, um, Robin Malcolm is like Michaela Bannis has like the best role in the whole show. She's brilliant. Yeah. And then you've got um, Reese, and it's just so yeah, everyone everyone chimes in. Like it's because it, Wayne and Robin, I mean, how many Robins are on this show? But Wayne and Robin <laughs> who do the show, um, Robin Butler and Wayne Hope, are. Uh, like they know their stuff so well and they're so yeah. – their voice is really distinctive with their comedy. So they yes. play they, – it's like they, you know, they put this ensemble of however many of us there are onto some sort of, you know, stringed instrument they fashioned and <laughs> when they play a chord, you hear everybody, but it's a beautiful thing. I just made that up then. That sounds like a bit that I've been doing. It's not. I've never said that before. Um, it, it, but, but they're really good at, le- at letting everyone – you know, chime in for the comic sensibility of the show. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's 
total joy waking up in Middlebogan. And there is talk, loose talk of a third season. So I hope, I hope it works. Oh, it would be delightful. Certainly, uh, the gristmill team in in Wayne and Robin have been busy on Little Lunch, Little which Lunch, is their, yeah, which looks so brilliant. Just the idea is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. This starts, I think it's Monday or Monday week on ABC uh, three, three. Um, yeah, that looks really good. They've got like twenty something episodes of that. Like they put huge energy into that um, with this ensemble of kids, and also they have made a film called uh, Now Add Honey, which mm. has killed at a festival in the States. And I've heard this. It's, apparently it is absolutely excellent and it's going to kind of explode when it opens here. It's gonna, it's, I read the script um, and I went, this is brilliant. This is a brilliant film. Mm. Um, just good comedy, incredible pathos um, and great for, for uh, women to see. Like it's an amazing women uh, like a like a female driven story which right. you know they kind of specialize in wayne and robin like they're really good with that stuff um oh, and it's so good it's right in the zeitgeist in terms of women being represented in media and all that sort of stuff but very funny not preachy you know just a really funny absorbing um story so i'm really looking forward to that but they've been really busy with that too yeah no, we cannot wait to see that i think that's going to be stunning m-o-l-k Mulk's TV Talk. The important thing, though, that we yep. need to talk about, Mr. Yes. Bramall, yes. Glitch. Yes. Now, this for people that aren't aware, I've gave it a bit of a, a sizzle at the early part. How would you explain to someone what Glitch is? Glitch is a paranormal drama that explores, that intensely explores the nature of letting go. Yeah, I don't know how sexy that is from an advertising perspective, but that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Like, like, to put it another way, come for the corpses, stay for mm. the heartbreak. Mm. Um, you've, got, you've got graveyards, you've got people coming out of the grave, you've got nude people, you know, in shock because um, they don't know what's going on. And I play the local cop who gets the call, hey, there's trouble at the old cemetery, and I go down. And there. dirty nude people if you're into that a sort of filthy thing. Filthy nude people. And who isn't into that? Um, is that just me? Mm. It can't just be me and you, honestly. No. I mean, we've talked about it at length. I mean, there's just nothing better. Look, I won't get into it now. It'll but, be um, online somewhere. It's all, everything's online somewhere. If not, try the deep web. Um, <laughs> you can get them delivered to your door. Um, yeah, it, it's... it's uh, so it's a mild spoiler alert um, to say that uh, you know, when we discover that actually these people have, have come out of their graves, that six or seven people have returned from their graves from various times in history as well, like the most recent being two years ago yeah, and the oldest being like 150 years ago. But they all were buried in the town of Urana, which is this fictional town, um, you know, in Australia. Just and near Echuca. Just near Echuca, not far from Echuca, which is not a real town. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, what, what, what happened, the mild spoiler is what happens is that one of the dead people is my wife who died two years ago from breast cancer. And then so uh, because I'm the cop in charge of, you know, what happens to these people, I suddenly, I'm very conflicted. Obviously, that's a huge thing for me personally um, and that bleeds into my duty. You know, I want to keep, I, I don't want these people to be found out now because I'd be in danger of losing my wife again to scientists or the media or whoever, you know. Um, 
And on top of that, it's like just dealing with the fact that someone's back from the dead. And all the people who are back from the dead, all the risen people, have got their own story and their own people that they left behind um, that they need to deal with. You know, each of them are back for a reason. So that's why I say yeah. it's about investigating the nature of letting go. Hopefully, when you watch it, like I think it's a really beautifully shot, absorbing drama. And ultimately, what I hope the audience thinks after they watch it is like, how would you react if, if someone came back from the dead? Like that's what it was for us. It, it was shooting it. It's this high concept, right? People coming back from the dead. That's like, that's genre stuff, you know, resurrected people. But we played it all mm. for as real as we could. And it's basically just playing the reality of an impossible situation. So, which is great fun to do, but also weird to do. Because how do you respond to somebody in front of you when you realize that they've been dead for two years and, and they were the love of your life. Like any response is the correct response. Tears or shock or laughter yeah. or anything, you know, it's all shock. But how shock manifests would be different for everybody. So, yeah, we were kind of in shooting it, we were sort of, I was, going to these weird emotional landscapes that I'd never really experienced before. Um, and I hope it all translates in the show. I've only seen the first two eps. Well, there's, there's a delightful moment, and this isn't giving anything away. In, in the first episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's the end of the first ep, where your James, the, the police sergeant, uh, sees for the first time his formerly dead wife, mm-hmm. Kate. Yeah. yeah. And I've currently got it, in fact, as the, um, the, the image, along with my glitch review on the website, where your hand is stretched out and sort of cupping her face at the side. Yeah. And the look that they've got in that photo that, that you're offering is, I think, absolutely perfect in summing up this broad mix of agony, of heartbreak, of loss, disbelief, uh, of uh, terror come shock, uh, you know, relief that this person that you desperately loved, that you've had to deal with putting, putting in the ground, is back alive and breathing exactly as she was two years ago. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, how do you how do you even start to deal with that? It's an incredible dramatic turn. Not that you can't act. That's not the suggestion, but no. the performance you put in for Glitch is is amazing, Patrick. And and the the, the team obviously you work with. I mean, you, you mentioned before uh, the way that it's shot, how it looks. Uh, it really is uh, uh, wonderfully shot. I mean, there's a, an ABC promo at the moment doing the rounds where Emma Freeman, the director talks about yeah. how she's a massive fan of True Detective. That's yeah. a tick, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but how the way that True Detective in the first series dealt with heat, how it looked, mm. and the transfer of some of those ideas that she shaped in, in how do we bring in that intensity into what is ultimately a, a regional Victorian country town and, and draw in some of the... the That's right. Some of the... Just the weirdness that would come with this great idea and the cast, my goodness. Yeah, Andrew yeah. McFarlane, Emma How good Booth. Is he? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniela Farinacci, Roger Corsa, like in this yes. role we've never seen him kind of do before. Genevieve O'Reilly, who's Irish, but mm. uh, did live here in Australia. She plays Dr. Alicia McKellar and she's like great amazing, great Aussie accent. Um, and she's really kind of elusive. She plays this very interesting, pivotal character. And you've got Ned Dennehy, who's Irish as well, and he comes in to play um, yep. Patty, and he's like a Brilliant. He's just brilliant. He's such a kook. Um, and you've oh, got, he's got a list as long as your arm as far oh, as yeah. credits go too. Oh, forget about it. Yeah, he's amazing. 
Um, and um, Aaron McGrath, who plays, you know, does a lot of the stuff with Ned. Um, mm-hmm. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah, young Bo. Bo, that's right. Yeah, it's just a killer cast. Emily Barclay, who plays somebody in it, who I think publicity don't want me to talk about because you don't really find out about her until the end of the first day. Um, uh, but she's brilliant. As, like, yeah, it was amazing. But you're right. Emma Freeman, the director, was so across this. She was, she like, none of this could have happened without her, obviously. She was amazing. Mm. And together with Simon Chapman, who shot it. Yes. And the two of them together were incredible. And we, I mean, it's all them. Honestly, it is all them. And you, apart from your review, which I read, you rarely hear their names mentioned, you know. You talked about Emma in your review. But it's all down to them. So much, I mean, obviously Lou Fox, she's the showrunner. She wrote it. It's her baby. And Tony Ayres, of course. Yep. But in terms of the day-to-day on-set culture, they're incredible. The look of the show is down to them. Um, and we were up against it every day. We were shooting like, you know, sometimes 12 pages a day. Like we were shooting masses. It could have been the most horrible shoot. And it wasn't. It was an absolute joy. Even when we were shooting like three in the morning in the middle of this cemetery and it was freezing unseasonably cold in February whenever it was mm. we were shooting. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's, it's such a, a um, tribute to those two. It's, I'm really, really proud of it. Lots of night shoots and all of that sort of stuff adds to the, the, the chaos of yeah. planning, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it is quite – and I mean this without trying to blow smoke up your ass. It is such an easy show – to be drawn into because you'll sit down and as long as you buy the concept that these people are coming back to life, don't, not, not explaining why, just say, oh, I accept this is happening in the scope of the show, you will just want to absolutely tear yeah. through it. It is, uh, it, it just draws you in. It gets under your skin in a way that is, I need to know what's going on. And uh, we, we kind of can't reveal much of other than that's the setup because yeah. what happens through the episodes is, these characters trying to realise who they are, trying to because they don't when they come out of the ground, they don't remember who they are. That's right, and they just start remembering bits, fragments. Yeah, and how that plays out for them is for each character is incredible. It's engaging. It's completely engaging, isn't it? And you're right; they don't remember what happened, and they don't even believe that they're back from the dead. Most of them, yes. because they don't they don't even remember coming out of the grave. You know, it's like a second childbirth. It's like they don't really remember quite what's happened. It's but it's those jolts to their system. Yeah. When they do yeah. connect, not only hang on. Well, now it's two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. But the last thing I remember is this, or you know, within yeah. my reality was these other things. So you mentioned that one of the that's characters right, and comes those out. those are some of the glitch, the, the actual glitches. You know, mm. when they remember, yeah. those are the glitches. You mentioned that one of the characters comes out and, and was buried one hundred and fifty years before. Imagine yeah. the immediate kind of shock that that then imparts yeah. in just being in town that kind of looks familiar, but there's all these lights and signs exactly. and roads yeah. and things. It It is just delightful to see. Now, the, the good news is that Glitch starts this Thursday on the ABC, uh, 8.30, Thursday nights. Check it yep. out, people, the next six weeks. Lock it away. If you can't wait, ABC iView is putting all six episodes online. So yeah, I look that's forward the better to news, to I reckon. at about 2 a.m. <laughs> well, I've, I've only seen the first two, as I said, so I'm actually looking forward to binging on them. I can't wait till Thursday how, night. What's that like for you? Did you have a, a cast viewing? Is that how you saw them or you were yeah. discs or a link? Cast viewing. What's it like getting together with all these people that you've worked with? That must be a bit surreal. We've gone and done yeah. this great thing. It was a bunch of fun. We have all these memories. Now we're seeing it in edited form and just go, yeah. hey, wow, I was there in that scene and I didn't yeah. see that happen or, you know, yeah. I was standing off in the, you know, get the coffee 
and yeah. I saw it from a different angle, but to see it from the camera is wow. It is pretty weird, and it's weird watching it for the first time. You, well, my I relive my experience of shooting it, and mm. so it's edited together. And I'm like, oh, hang, oh god, have they missed that scene? Oh, they've cut that bit out. Oh, mm. they've edited those two things together, but the, geographically, those locations were nowhere near each other. So it's quite a confusing time when you watch it for the first time. On top of the strange vanity of watching yourself and going, oh, come on, mate, don't pull that face. Oh, God, what's that angle? You know, that's what's like. <laughs> suck your gut in, Bramble. Oh, mate, tell me about it. That's Suck your gut in. That'll be my life in TV. There is so much about the, the glitch that I'm excited about. Great. Like, because we're recording this, yeah. I can't talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to ruin it for everyone. But I'm going to stick it out there right now for mine. Glitch is the drama of 2015. This is the thing that you will oh, be talking about that should absolutely be given all of the accolades that can be thrown at it, including a Logie, dare I say. Oh, dare um, you say. Yes, you dare. I love it. I, I have zero play in all of these, but I think it absolutely <laughs> deserves it. Mulk's TV Talk, the podcast. Um, Patrick, how can people find you online should they want to connect with you? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter. That's uh, at Paddy Bramel. And I spell it P-A-T-T-Y. I realized too late that it should have been double D. Like that's the masculine version of Patrick, you know, Patty. But anyway, it's Patty Bramel. Mm. Um, and I think it's the same for- You could change it. Instagram. I can. Well, be like you. You change it every other day. Um, yeah, but I mean legitimately change your, your Twitter handle. I know you can. I know you can. But I just feel like I've been doing it for so long now that it would confuse people. I don't know. Maybe I'll think about that. You're c- um, committed to this effeminate form. Yeah, I really am. I'm a shapeshifter. Uh, so at Paddy Bramall, <laughs> Twitter or Instagram is the same, Paddy Bramall. Yeah, find Excellent. me, follow me, do it all. Yeah, I'll jump on board the Bramall train, people. Please I mean, do. we've got Glitch on, on free-to-air television, then Glitch on iView. Of course, the Moody's are everywhere. If you want to catch that up, they're on Netflix and Stan and Presto, all of the things pretty yep. much. Yep. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. Even the Strange Calls, I think I saw that fling past my eyes oh, right. on uh, your Netflix or that, something like that. Uh, if, you, if you're really desperate, I think yeah, you cool. can buy the, the box set of Canal Road uh, and enjoy Dr. Bramall uh, yeah, at work. Quite desperate. I was a lawyer, mate. I wasn't a doctor. Get it right. I'm I mean, sorry. Everyone else was doctors. Pardon me. No, we had doctors. We had caseworkers. Charlie Clawson, who's now on Home and Away, was a physiotherapist. I don't think he even knew what he was. We were talking about that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> he was a something. He was a something. He was a something. He was a paycheck. He sure was. Um, yeah, so that's good. Canal Road, get the, get the box set. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week on Mulks TV Talk, the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Mulks TV Talk. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at thosethings.com slash Mulks TV Talk. New episodes are out Tuesdays, so make sure you subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, and please do leave a sweet review. Tune in next week when you'll hear Patrick Bramall say, Hey, Steve, I was joking. You're not really putting that to air, yeah? Good night. <laughs>